Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. Congratulations to everyone who secured league titles yesterday. Alongside me today is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. He was at one title ceremony yesterday, which we'll get onto later. And we heard a hello from Justin Edinburgh a minute ago. And congratulations to Leighton Orient. Mick was there yesterday to see their title celebrations. Hello, Mick Payne, England Sea goalkeeping yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah, hi, Luke. Hi, Chris. Yeah. I was definitely there yesterday, and uh, yeah, it was a good occasion to be there. It was more or less done and dusted. It, it was Salford's defeat last week, and Leighton Orient drawing against Solihull. They just needed to avoid a massive slip-up in results to not go their way over on on Saturday. And they managed. Salford got the first goal of the day through Adam Rooney uh, up at Hartlepool, which may have sent a few nerves through Brisbane Road. But ultimately, they lost Matt Green to a red card and ended up losing the game three goals to two, which meant the result at Brisbane Road. Didn't really matter, although it did finish nil-nil. And you were there, Mick. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, I was there, and uh, yeah, it did finish up nil-nil. As I said earlier on, I actually do believe the the game on Monday against Solihull was the one that cemented the Orange uh, Championship uh, post, if you like, where they 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 really you know made sure of the title. They took on Braintree, over eight thousand fans there, Luke, and as I hope they stay with the club. You know, when they get into the football, they are in the football league, but when they they start next season. But no, I mean, for me, it was a, a very professional, uh, organised performance from Leighton Orient. Uh, they managed the game, as I said. They didn't have to go chasing the game, so that was a, a good thing in their favour. They didn't have to go and win the game, that made sense. So they just set their stall out and uh, they went through, I wouldn't say through the motions, but they, what they did, they just did everything that they needed to do. Fair play to the uh, to the young side from Braintree. They played their part, you know, the pressure was off them, but... Yeah, it finished up nil-nil, but it was a, a really great occasion to be there, and uh, I'm delighted for Justin, the players who were there, but especially the club itself, because it's been through, you know, real uh, turmoil over the last uh, two or three seasons, and uh, there they were, celebrating on the pitch, uh, champions of the, uh, the National League. The potential's there, isn't it, as well, Mick? The potential's there for them to do a Lincoln City, for example, you know, keep that momentum going. Well, I think you're dead right. I think mean, you're spot on. I, I said, for me, what Leighton Orient have done, they've got the ticked every box. And um, when I say ticked every box, they getting Martin Ling back there, I think, was a, a masterstroke um, in terms of, you know, he's standing within the Leighton Orient community, the club. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a legend within that sort of uh, area, if you like. And, um, you know, he's well-respected. He came back in. He then he's very methodical and you know took time. And yes, they had a, they had a, they had a problem with the, the, the previous manager Steve Davis. Didn't really hit the straps. Although they gave him every chance, didn't go well. And then Justin Edinburgh has come in. Very very good fit for this league. Knows the players. Knows the system. And what they have, Luke, uh, for me more than anything else, is experience and youth within the group. And uh, Goal scorers up top, you know, Bond, Corley Bond up top, you know, at any level you want a goal scorer. He scores mm. goals, whether they're tappings, whether they're, you know, scruffy goals, good goals. He's, he's scored, you know, well in the 20 mark goal, and he's got 24, 25, I think it might be more. But the midfield for me is got determination, really put a shift in. Then they've got a back four of Josh Corson, Turley in, Jamie Turley, uh, excellent addition to the group. And then the two young boys, you know, Big Marvin, you know, who's been with the England squad and Dan Happy, they've been excellent. And the glue for me was, the, 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 again, was uh, Dean Brill in goal. Dean Brill come in, he's played every game, experienced keeper. They had everything tipped, they had everything in place and they've gone and done it and they deserve to be champions of this uh, National League. Just before we move on to look at Salford and, and the rest of the playoff 
chasers on there. Massive credit to Braintree, mate. They were relegated a few weeks ago, but they haven't downed tools and even got themselves off the bottom. They, they ended up finishing the season in 22nd place, only three points behind Aldershot, who were in 21st. And they look miles adrift, so credit to them because it would have been easy, as I said, for them to just be on the beach and, and lie down, especially for late in Orient. Again, to put that across so, so well. Yeah, the key to it, uh, I, I, again, you know, so I was to be there, you know, um, and Killip was in goal, our England sea keeper. He's captain of the side at 22 years of age, a very, very young group. The, boys, the, the manager, Searle, has gone in there. They're a part-time outfit. I think he, he had to go in there, he, talking to one or two people, you know, about the, the, the way he wanted to play, where under the previous regime it was a little bit, I wouldn't say direct, but it was a little bit direct. And they're trying to they're trying to play. They they they, they did very well yesterday, and uh, you know it's been a great return in the last five games. I think it's one four through one. Haven't conceded too many, and uh, yeah, perhaps both well for next season for them. And you're, you're dead right. They've uh, they didn't down tools. They they come out with a huge amount of credit, and um, they deserve the the applause that they're getting to, as you say, get off the bottom of the league. Yeah, they're unbeaten in four of the the last five games, actually. Um, so they're do, winning three of those. So yeah, they've done really, really well. Uh, back to Salford, Chris. Uh, losing Matt Green will be a blow. Now that's two defeats in two. Uh, they do have a week to get themselves right for a home tie, but that defeat as well on Saturday meant that they finished below Solihull in the end. They finished in third. Yeah, I think it was a it was a disappointing finish, wasn't it, for Salford? I know in that game that sending off of of Matt Green did make a, a big impact because all the Hartlepool goals came after that and Graham Alexander said that after the game. He also said that, you know, for there to be five yellow cards and one red card in the game and it, it wasn't that type of, of occasion, but uh, it did harm them yesterday. I think, you know, he's saying, Graham Alexander's still saying it's in their own hands and look, they've got an exceptional set of players there at Salford and he's right, you know, it is in their own hands. But I think they'll be a little bit concerned uh, going into the playoffs off the off the back of those two defeats. I was actually at the retur- the other fixture, the the Salford v Hartlepool game earlier in the season. The movement up front between Rooney, Gaffney, uh, they brought Danny Lloyd on as well, who hasn't had that much of a an influence this season as as it's gone on. But I think look, they've got a hell of a lot of quality there. Like I say, I think they'll just be a little bit worried going into the playoffs off the back of those two defeats. However, what I would say on that is if you look at the form of all the teams in those playoffs um, in the last couple of games, not not one of them has got six points out of them. But yeah, I think just a little concern there. As for Solihull, they got an equaliser at Dagenham through Jermaine Hilton. And as I said, that meant they let uh, leapfrogged Salford into second place. And I'm going to throw this open to both of you now, but no one will want to face them in the playoffs, will they? Well, I mean, uh, you're dead right. I mean, it's... Uh... We know what how Solihull uh, set their set their, their, their system up, their team up. They, you know they are a big uh, individuals. They've got a lot of uh, strength, power. Yes, like they might be a little bit direct in the way that they do play the game. But uh, you know, Tim Flowers has done a remarkable job there. Remarkable at uh, Solihull. And you're dead right for me, Luki. That's going to be a whoever takes on Solihull know what's coming, and they're going to have to deal with that because it will be a a tough encounter in uh, in those playoffs. Chris, does your heart sink when uh, if you think, oh no, we've got Solihull away as well? <laughs> yeah, I think it does, and I think that's credit to them because 
I think when we talked about our predictions a couple of weeks ago, we all thought Solihull would be um, closer to the other end of the table. So, you know, echo everything that Mick said. So difficult to play against. Tim Flowers has done a wonderful job and no one is going to want to go there at all. Looking at the playoff contenders, as you said, Chris, we call, well, they're called playoff eliminator. I like to call them the super playoffs, as I kept calling them the other day. But same sort of thing, because (laughs) it is a one-game shootout now, isn't it? And... Uh, you've got Wrexham, who are probably the form team out of the four playing in that. They'll be hosting Eastley, and AFC Fowler will host Harrogate. Difficult to call, really, out of those four four teams. Difficult to see how those fixtures could go anyway, and then you've got to face Solihull and Salford once you got through, haven't you? It's, it's a tough run to that playoff final. I think you're right, I mean, um Just coming on that, it's, it's, it, is, it's a re- it is a tough one, of course. I think, you know, previous years, you'd say there's a standout side, there's a side that's going to you know go all the way in them playoffs. You're right. I, I'm I'm really not say scratching my head, but I can't I can't call it. I mean, the one I'm looking at Wrexham. I mean, you know they've been in this league, they've been in the national league for a while now. They must be desperate to try to get out of this, and uh, you know they've got the fan base. There's no doubt about that. So are they going to be the ones who are just as you say, just hit that little bit more form than others? I think they might be the ones for me that might just get over the line. Yeah, interesting you should say that, Mick. I was going to say the same thing, but only just. Um, I think that that Wrexham are the form team. I think yesterday, actually, I think it was a real marker because they beat Harrogate, um, who are also one of the, the playoff teams there. And they have got to play an extra game than... Um, Solly or Salford, Solly Hull or Salford would have to, and they're going to have to have an away semi-final. But I've just got a sneaky feeling for them this season. It seems to be the season where the the sort of bigger clubs, well, certainly won the won the championship in the in the all the national leagues actually, all three of them. And I've got a sneaky feeling that this could be Wrexham's season. What I would say just very quickly is that. If the the way they've ended up, the way the cards have fallen at the end of the season, where everyone's position just feels right. It just feels right that Leighton Orient were the champions. They have been better in sort of the last ten matches, if you like. It feels right that Solihull and Salford have claimed those two um, super playoffs, as you, as you call them, Luke. And uh, I think no one could argue against the four teams that have that have ended up in the other playoff positions as well. And so you can't always say that every season, but I think. Uh, it just feels right, the teams that have actually got there this season. Usually with Ben Strevens there, is, uh, he's gone under the radar for me. He, they've just done mm. a really methodical, slow process and once they sneaked in, they've deserved to get in to the playoffs. And they could, they could just be a little surprise package for me, easily. I think they're, uh, you know, no one's really been, uh, you know, touting them really. And uh, they may be the one that may just uh, upset the apple cart a little bit. Yeah, they've got Paul McCallum, who's who scored bags of goals from this year, in the best form of his career. You know, if you don't mind me coming on there, I'm just going to look him down at the mm. league table. There must be some, you know, clubs who oh, they're probably saying, how have we finished there? You know, I'm looking with, you know, we know how Chesterfield, but again, you know, the problems there. But, you know, they had a good squad, good fan base. You know, they, they, I think they had a decent budget and really was quite a, a disappointing end for them. And, you know, the likes of Barnet had that cut run, didn't they? And again, you know, I know they, they pushed the boat out as well. And the, and the one that really, really did fall away for me was uh, was Sutton. Sutton were like in and around it all the time. And then, uh, unfortunately, they've, uh, they've really fallen away, haven't they, uh, as the season's panned out, or the last few games anyway. 
Yeah, there'll be a lot of teams doing a lot of soul searching over the summer, won't there? I think also you've got to give uh, Andy Hesentala some real mm. credit there because Dover had an incredible change of fortunes. I mean, you look where they are in the league and where they were. They looked like they were. They looked like they were going down to me. And um, I think they did exceptionally well, Dover. Yeah, I mean, they're the farm team at the end of the season, aren't they? Along with Leighton Orient and Solihull, they've won four of the last five, drew the other game. And yeah, as I say, two weeks ago, they stayed, they, um, they helped relegate all the shot and, and haven't. And since then, they've just really pushed on, haven't they? There'll be teams like Dagenham and Hartlepool, won't they? And Chesterfield will be certainly looking to do a lot better next year, Mick, won't they? Oh, yeah, again, um, look, you know. We, we, this is what's wonderful about the National League. There's some excellent clubs in there, some excellent teams. There's teams with ambitions, there's clubs with ambitions, there's chairman, you know, players, of course, there's all, of course, the fans, no doubt about that. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've mentioned sides, you know, like Dave, and I've been privileged to be part of that setup over many, many years. And I go over regular to summarise on games there. It's just been a real topsy-turvy season for them. I mean, dreadful start in terms of knowing where they were, whether they were going to still be playing and uh, again, you know I feel they got the right fit for the right time with Peter Taylor coming in, you know, the guy knows the uh, knows players and got many, many contacts I mean, uh, he's got Connor Wilkinson coming in there and he was the difference for me and uh, Alanta up top, those two really made a, a big impact in, uh, if you like, the progress that uh, Dagenham made so yeah they'll be looking to push on of course Chesterfield who's betting man you, you'd put money on that they'd draw every week I mean I think you wouldn't have gone far wrong this year I think you'd been uh, quids in really the amount of draws they had a few other clubs there you know already mentioned Barnet yeah they'll they'd be looking to go again and I'll tell you for me Lou, I, I watched them a number of times you know, at, at uh, Barrow I was really impressed with the way they played it every time I saw Barrow they try to play what I call a correct way through the thirds. And I think they could be uh, a little outside chance uh, to do well next year as well. Yeah, and of course he signed a new contract over the last week as well, committing himself to the club. So good times ahead at Barrow, you feel, as well, don't you? As, as you said, if you want to go to the playoffs, the, Elim- or the Eliminators, as they're called, filed host Harrogate on Wednesday evening. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff, And then on the Thursday, uh, that's the 2nd of May, it's Wrexham versus Eastley with a 7 o'clock kickoff as well. And I'm hoping to get to that Wrexham game and get some reaction for you from that. Well, it's been a tough season for Aldershot and Maidstone this season on the field. Aldershot, good run of form towards the end of the season. They've won the last two games. They won at Maidstone on Saturday afternoon. For Maidstone, that means that they finish rock bottom Rob isn't with us this week. He's, he's fulfilling a lifelong ambition of playing at Ebb Stadium in a tournament this weekend. But he did go down to the game at the Gallagher Stadium on Saturday. And he caught up with Ruth Tunnell, who's summarises for BBC Kent Sport on Maidstone Games. So I'm here for NL full-time at the Gallagher Stadium, where it's a, a meeting of a bunch of cheery people today. Those connected with Aldershot Town, relegated, and those connected with Maidstone relegated. Uh, we're kind of almost bonding in this situation, aren't we? I'm joined by Ruth Tunnell, uh, a Maidstone supporter of 30 years. Believe me, listeners, I don't. she must have been very young when she started. Ruth, you've still got a smile on your face. What sort of a season has it been here? Where do you start? <laughs> Where do you start? It's been absolutely dreadful, uh, to be quite honest. I don't even know why I've got a smile on my face. I seriously can't remember a season like this. And we did have a dire season 
probably about six, seven years ago when we were in the Ryman Premier League before we came back to Maidstone. So things were looking quite hopeless back then. But we have managed to avoid relegation with about two games to go. Whereas this year, to be quite honest, I started to realise we were going down in December. And it's been a really long, slow, torturous death for Ooh, us. Oh, I've used those very same words recently <laughs> as well. I, I missed out torturous. Thank you for that. I'll add that next time. Now, in the pre-season sweepstake, did you have uh, in the draw the ticket that said you'd use seven goalkeepers or the one that said you'd use five managers this season um no and if i had i would have wanted to give it back um to be honest when we kicked off in august well actually i was um, on an aeroplane when we kicked off mid-august i didn't think much would happen this season i was quietly optimistic we'd finish fifth from bottom i had to admit the recruitment over the summer hadn't been great i obviously watched the pre-season friendlies and i was a little bit concerned but i didn't see basically what was going to happen and then we played away at maidenhead on the bank holiday august bank holiday weekend and we ended up losing 3-2 it was maidenhead's first victory of the season and we fell apart quite concerningly in the last bit we should have won the game and mm. we just didn't mm. and I knew then something wasn't great I knew something something was going to happen we missed the Boronwood game and of course Jason Saunders got sacked after that game I was really disappointed I mean mm. I was a massive Jason Saunders fan I think most people know that but I could understand why the club had taken that decision we went, we didn't win for 18 matches last season yeah. most clubs would have given up before, before that Except all the shot, they, they, they oh. went 19 I think but okay. there you go and, oh, yes. and Gary Warwick still at the helm but you're absolutely right and there are Sadly, some similarities, yeah. and one of those is not lost on, on me or you, is what great fans both these clubs have got, and they deserve so much better. Yes, I mean, although to be fair, most clubs could point at that. I mean, I have to say, I really enjoy going to Aldershot. I think the, uh, the atmosphere that that stand at your end generates is, is brilliant. It's properly mm. noisy there. The old curved tin roof. Yeah, I love yeah. it. No, it's great. I mean, it's really good. Um, you know, it's a proper old football ground. Mm. And um, we're not as noisy here, I have to be honest. You know, the fans just don't seem to generate the noise at home like they do away. But yeah, there's plenty. I mean, both sides, what, they probably, between them, average about four, you know, get about 4,000 people through the gate. And going into National League South, you know, that's clearly going to put both teams towards the top of that uh, attendance league table. Going to be competitive next year, isn't it? We already know, obviously, uh, Haven and Braintree, Billericke could well still be in it. Woking, they can't both get up from the playoffs. Uh, Dorking Wanderers coming in uh, with a healthy budget too. It's not the league either club wanted to be in but it could be an exciting one couldn't it i hope it will be exciting i mean it can't be any worse than this season and to be honest we've had three seasons in the national league the first season the football was brilliant we saw a number of good teams like lincoln city Tremere rovers and it was really enjoyable last season i didn't think the quality was quite so much and this season i'll be honest i've not seen that many sides i thought would be that good you know they haven't been brilliant so i'm really hoping the national league even though people argue that quality's not there you know there'll be a lot of teams in it to win it as you say there's quite a few up there so i reckon it could be quite an exciting season i certainly hope we'll be pushing for the playoffs but whether we want an immediate return to the national league i'll be honest i'm not sure we do because we're going to be in the same situation we we haven't got the budget to compete with the likes of salford or or with any of the big top teams the the wages at this level are insane they average about three quarters of a million pounds a year what team's got that unless you've got a massive sugar daddy and unfortunately made well not Unfortunately, mm. fortunately, Mason yeah. are really well run and we're not going to bankrupt ourselves. And to be honest, as Maystone and Aldershot have both been there before, neither team want to do that, do they? So, no, not at all, Ruth. Really. You know. That's been a brilliant insight. We've packed into five minutes. Thanks very much, Ruth Tunnell, for joining us. Good luck next season. Thank you. Thank you. You too. So we'll move on now to the National League South. Hi, I'm Jake Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League South, there was drama 
for the playoff places and at the bottom also. As we know, Torquay, they won the league a few weeks ago and we had Billericay, St Albans and Wealdstone all battling it out for a playoff place. But before we look at that, Concord, they finished sixth this season, but they were dealt a blow this week, weren't they, Mick? When they, I think they, they failed ground grading because they didn't have enough seats in the ground, which means, they, which means that they can't take place in the playoffs, which means there's only going to be one eliminator this week in the National League South, and a massive blow for Concord. Yeah, it's a massive blow. It's a massive blow, you know, everyone connected with the club. But, you know, I, I've got to say, I'm not privy to the ins and outs of it. You know, I know if by accounts you've got to have 500 covered seats by accounts. That's the uh, criteria. And if they knew the, you know, these, these things they didn't put in place, then it's easier said than done. You know, it's a financial thing. I mean, Concord Rangers, let's get it right, you know, that... They've come from Sunday Sunday morning football as a, as a group. You know, they've mm. come through that, you know, in a number of years. And uh, to see where they are now is uh, quite a, you know, we know Danny Cowley and his brother Mickey were there uh, in the time. And I've been over there a number of times. And I've got to say, it's a super, super family-run club with real, uh, you know, die-hard supporters there. But... It's, uh, yeah, it is a blow for them and uh, makes it difficult for the players when you think, well, what we plan for, you know, when, when that happens and it's nothing to do with what's on the pitch. But that's part and parcel of, you know, the rules and if you don't abide by the rules, then uh, you have to go again. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bitter blow for uh, all, all concerned there at uh, Concord Rangers. Mick makes a good point there, Chris, doesn't he? Because at the end of the day, everyone's saying, oh, it's a bit harsh on Concord. I know friend of the podcast, Scotty Davis, said the same thing. The players work hard all year, only to be dealt this blow. But at the end of the day, you kind of know the rules at the start of the season. If you don't have the requisite sort of facilities in place, and you won't take place in the playoffs. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this, I've got to say, because I, I think you know if you do the business on the pitch like Concord have done, it's a real shame for those players and fans who've you know have turned up week on week and have, have rightfully earned their place in the playoffs. And I just wonder whether there could be some sort of, I don't know, some sort of fund or some sort of um, discretionary loan or you know or something like that to to help them to to meet the criteria. I understand there has to be criteria there. You know, you you are going to have a lot bigger clubs coming down to your ground, and it has to be safe, and it has to be, um, you know, sort of comfortable and what have you. I just think I wonder whether there is something that could help these clubs out because as you know, as Mick said, they've been on a tear up the last last few years to get where they are, and it does seem a it does seem a real shame. However, obviously, you know the rules are there. I just wonder whether there could be just that that perhaps little bit of help. I guess the flip side of that is that, you know, clubs may rely on that at the end of the season, which is why I said, you know, it has to be kind of discretionary or and it has to be, uh, yeah, it'd have to be done on a case-by-case basis. It just seems a shame to me. Yeah, they'd won four, the last four games in a row as well to, to propel themselves into that playoff spot. In terms of the playoffs, as I said, it was between St Albans, Billericay, and Wealdstone, and out of the three, Wealdstone looked the least likely to get in there. But St Albans, they were playing Torquay at home, went behind after 11 seconds, uh, went be- <laughs> nearly went 2-0 down a minute later, ended up losing four goals to nil. Ian Allenson wasn't happy at all. He said he could have been 5-0 five- five down in the first 10 minutes. Billericay, they hosted Bath City, who were already in the playoffs, lost by two goals to nil at home. And Wealdstone, they did the business and won their game against Hemel Hempstead Town. And it's Wealdstone who claimed that last playoff spot. And 
Bobby Wilkinson will be delighted, Mick, but what a day of drama in the National League South for that playoffs, playoff race. Yeah, I think you did right, Luke, you know, but that's, this is what, you know, again, we talk about the rules at the start of the competition, you know, people are still, got the jury still out about the, the playoff system, but doesn't it keep the season going? That into it, you know, keeps the season, you know, bottom and top, but there you are, you've got your, your top sort of seven there, you know, like so you said, we're all showing them how to keep going, keep going, and uh, they got the result yesterday, and right, the others lost. And uh, for me, it just makes it such a great sort of uh, end of the season. But you know, he'll be delighted. I mean, um, in terms of that, yeah, you know, Billericay, we know the uh, the turmoil they've been in, and uh, you know they're still pushing the boat out. I think in a in a general way, in financial uh, terms, and not as much as they were playing out there. But you're right, Ian Allison, and uh, I know um, you know I've been over to St Albans and. Again, they've got some good players there from Albans, and it was, it was a massive game for them yesterday. You know, yeah, they are playing the Torquay at the top of the league, and you, you, you want to hopefully your players are up for that. And as you say, they've gone behind right early doors, and then that that can't help you. You know, you, you, you can see that after a minute, you now know it's an uphill battle, and the, it, it, all what you've worked for during the week, the way that you, you set your team up, the way your game plan is, or whatever it is. You know, it, it changes within a minute of the game. So I can see why Ian Allison and, uh, you know, the supporters must have been really, really uh, disappointed. The elim- as I say, the eliminated, there's only going to be one game taking place on Wednesday evening. That's between Bath City and Wheelstone. Would you look at Bath? They're both going into it, having won the last two. Would you look at Bath with the home advantage and maybe just having the edge, Mick? Yeah, I mean, that may be that. As, you know, as I said, it, it, then it comes down to mentality, doesn't it, on the day. They've gone into it now, we're going, well, you know, we're in the playoffs, not expecting to be in the playoffs. And now, now they must go an incredible high, an incredible, uh, you know, uh, rush of sort of adrenaline. So they will have the uh, impetus, I would believe, that, you, you know, Bath have got that, the home tie, so definitely got some... Uh, you know, playing that, that you, you're at home and uh, hopefully that gives them the advantage. But <laughs> I just feel it's a, a big, big, tough one to call because uh, it would be, uh, you know, it come down to the, uh, the preparation of those two teams. Yeah, and the winner of that will go and face Woking away. And we're talking about farming uh, going into playoffs, Mick. I mean, since Woking have lost the title, they've been on a dreadful run of farm. They've only won one of the last five games. Whether the exertions over the season and that great FA Cup run they have is maybe just catching up with them a little bit. But they'll be... Alan Dawson will be going into that. Um, I know we were speaking about how worried he was about Woking's farm a couple of weeks ago. Woking will be going into that with a bit of trepidation now, won't they? Most definitely. I've got to say, I haven't looked at the... The, the, the team selection over the last few weeks, whether they've rested players, whether they've you know, just been sort of uh, tinkering around with the formation. Yeah, I think that's the, the key. But as I said to you earlier, for me, you know, you can get your players ready technically, you can get your, ready, your players ready tactically, physically, but it's that mental state, that mental part of the game that, to me, takes good teams over the line. Takes, you know, especially this stage of the season, you've just got to get yourself over the line, and uh, that becomes such a mental thing. And uh, I think that's where you know managers, coaches, and players themselves have to be really sort of uh, switched on to get that that winning mentality and those those ideas that they want to put across that uh, comes out you know on, on match day. 
Yeah, and the other game which takes place next Sunday is Welling United at home to Chelmsford City. If you had to pick a winner for the playoffs, Mick, who, who would you go for? Yeah, as I said, I tell you, um, Chelmsford's not far from me, and uh, I've seen many months this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rob was over there, and I say to people time and time again, Chelmsford, for me, if they got it right, could be a league club. I really mean that. I really, really mean that. The, the infrastructure of that area around Chelmsford is quite incredible. They're, they're a club that have had to sort of rebuild, reorganise, start again, you know, not once, twice. They've had to do it every, since every other season. Something seems to go wrong there, but there they are this time, and I think uh, they've got, you know, the guy who knows that definitely knows this league, you know, uh, much stronger in terms of. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with them. I'm gonna, I think, uh, for me, it might be Chelsea. May just, uh, may just do it. Chris, have you got any ideas on who you might think might win the National League South playoffs? Yeah, well, I'd, um, I'll caveat this with um, I don't see National League South games, but I listen to Tom and Rob and what Mick said uh, across the season. And um, um, in my uneducated opinion, I'm going for Welling. There we go. So, as you know, we're all we're crap at predictions in here, so it's probably going to be Wheelstone who win it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that, just looking at the relegation battle, it, it was it was tight. It was always in Hungerford's favour, but Truro gave it a good go. They, they went 1-0 up against Slough Town. Then he went 3-1 down, and he fought back to grab a 3-3 draw against Slough. It wasn't enough. In the end, Hungerford got a last gasp equaliser against East Thurrock, and it's Hungerford who stay up and... Um, a massive, massive shout out to uh, Ian Herring there, Mick, because what what a job he's done to keep Hungerford above that line. Well, without doubt, you know, it's a, and again, you know, the, the, these leagues are they're, they're, they're unforgiving, aren't they? They're, they're unforgiving, and you're dead right. He's got his players, uh, you know, up for, for the fight, and um, you know, fair play to them, the management, and everyone concerned with that club. And uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're there and thereabouts again for next season. And, uh, they just have a big sigh of relief. I think he'll have a, a nice glass of wine over the weekend and they'll, they'll job done and uh, we go again next year and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be better. But just going, you know, the tour again, it's, it, playing catch-up is so, so difficult. As I said, you might get one or two teams who along the way do, like we just mentioned, going back to Dover, you know, had that incredible run of form and it doesn't happen all the time. You've, you've got to get, like, champ- if you're at the bottom group, You've got to get like what we call championship form to get you out of the mm-hmm. mire. And um, as you say, they give it a go to work over, but uh, it wasn't enough on the, on the uh, over the season. Yeah, to turn one of those draws that they had at the end of the season into a win, it could have been a very different story. I mean, do you think that the fact that they didn't have a home for half the season has maybe hindered them? They had to play it play more. Then they moved back to uh, Treyu Road, but it's just not kind of took off for them, has it, since they've moved back? No, it hasn't took off. You know, you know again, it, you sit back in the cold light of day and you go, OK, this happened, that happened. But look, I say to you, and I think that's like being in the game a long, long time, and uh, I do analyse it a lot, and I say, well, you've got to deal with it. At the end of it, you know, you either deal with it or you don't. Does it affect you? Perhaps it does, but you can't let it affect you. You know, you've got to... You see, look, it's like anything, you know, it's in life, you know, things can cause a problem, you know, that it's not always going to be a straight road, it's going to be some curves, there's going to be some bumps in the road. They've had some bumps along the way. You know, teams do, you know, you lose good players, you lose this, you lose it, you know, things can happen. Top teams or the top players 
deal with it. You know, you've, got, you've either got two ways, you do or you don't. And, uh, yeah, you can make excuses all day long in sport, and uh, especially in football, but it's about what you do on the pitch, you know, every game and the excuses for refereeing, to make excuses for games and shit, whatever you want to do, but it's about your performance. And at the end of the day, you know, it is, let's get it right, you know, you're playing 42 games in that league, so you've got a chance to put it right in another 42 games, I believe. So we're going to move on now to the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, well, we'll, uh, we'll get Chris's view on it after the calm after the storm in a minute. Stockport County went down to Nuneaton yesterday, and this was the reaction at the final whistle after they'd won by three goals to nil. And Stockport County have done it 3-0 away from home. It was 2-0 after, after the first half. The, the wind was playing havoc with the game. I don't know whether you can hear now, but the, all, most of the Stockport County are on the pitch. Players have been hoisted aloft. Non-eating fans are staying and, and clapping. And it's been, uh, it's been a cold, it's been a windy, but it's been a, a really emotional day. Here in Nuneaton, and uh, we're not sure whether the presentations are going to go ahead. They were, they were saying on the uh, on the address system that the fans would have to stay off the pitch for the presentations to go ahead. But so we'll see what's going on. We'll try and get some reaction from players, managers at the end of the game, and uh, see how we go. But that's it. Stockport County champions. I'm here with victorious captain Paul Turnbull. Paul, how's that feel? Superb, absolutely brilliant. I've been, been wanting to be a champion for a long, long time, and it's happened. This is my club, this is my club, it's been brilliant. Yeah, and I mean, it was a difficult game, that windblown. You had to get a goal, didn't you, in the, in the first half, because they were going to have advantage in the second. It was difficult, the wind obviously played a big part first half. Um, that's why I changed it round. Um, hopefully, we're, we're hopefully they're going 2 3 0 up, we went 2 0 up. Um, but we just needed that first goal, and after that first goal, I thought we'll, we'll do it. And that third goal went in, that was it then, and it was done, wasn't it? That was it, celebrations were, were key. Obviously, fans were on the pitch, it was, it was just brilliant. The fans deserve it. Go and enjoy the celebrations. That was Nuneaton nil, Stockport County three, and and Chris was down there soaking it all up, and you caught, you didn't quite get hold of the management and things like that. It, it, it was really hard to do that, Chris, because of the emotion shown and and the fans on the pitch. I mean, as I said earlier, I think they took three and a half thousand fans down, and it was a great occasion, wasn't it? It was, Luke. It was absolutely amazing. And before I say anything about Stockport County, I've got to really take my hat off to to Nuneaton Borough because what they put on yesterday was it must have took a lot of organising, and it was fantastic. And they they put on um, there was a there was kind of like a, a stage with a singer when you walked into near, near the ground. They'd renamed the bar the Hatters Bar. They'd got plenty of alcohol. They got lo- ev- they put everything on. They put the home fans. This must have been really difficult for them because they're in a you know a difficult situation themselves. They put the home fans in one little corner of the ground, 
Stockport County fans took over the whole of the rest of the ground and, and, and what they did yesterday was outstanding and wish them all the best next season and you know hope they do get back up there. They've obviously struggled financially this year. That that could well help them out for the next season, what they've taken just on that day. Well a lot of people have said that. I really hope it does and at least it'll you know keep them going till Halfway through the season, it might help them to get some, um, you know, players who know that league um, below well. I, I really hope it does because it's, it's well, probably one of the first times that they've sold out. I think in a, in a long time, and it was a it was a great look. It was a great day. The one thing that didn't play ball, I've got to say, was the weather. Um, whilst the whilst I left the northwest and it was chucking it down, it wasn't chucking it down in uh, in the West Midlands, but it was terribly windy and so Stockport County won the toss and uh, I believe they switched the they switched them round so they were playing with the wind in the first half and just to give you an idea of the the domination that they had in that first half they had 10 corners to none and I can I can't even remember Nuneaton getting a shot off in the first half and that was partly due to the to the wind because when the keeper kicked it out it just almost came back to him. But you know, Stockport County were fantastic in that game. They they got the goal. You felt like they needed the goal in the first half and they got two. They got one through Ash Palmer and one through Matty Warburton and uh, and they went on and, and comfortably won it in the end. Outpour of an emotion at the end, which is why it was difficult to get interviews. All the fans ran on the pitch, they were trying to do the presentation on the pitch, but in fairness, they just couldn't clear it, and they ended up doing it from um, well, from a, a sort of a balcony um, towards the end. If you'll just allow me to dwell just a little bit longer on Stockport County, I think the key to the success this season. I think Mick mentioned it with Leighton Orient, but the spine of the team has been unbelievable. Ben Hinchliffe has been the best goalkeeper by a country mile in that league this season. And I think he'll go on and be the best, one of the best goalkeepers in the National League next season. He's been absolutely outstanding this season. The aforementioned Ash Palmer in defence, he has been accompanied by Jamie Stott for a lot of the season on loan from Oldham. They've been fantastic. Sam Walker got player of the season last night at the Stockport County Awards because they all went back up from Nuneaton, back up to Edgeley Park afterwards. And I believe the party carried on till the early hours. And Matty Warburton, I think he scored 27 goals this season. He's been unbelievable. And again, he I think he's a player that will take it into to next season. So I think in the end, they did get a bit of luck, let's face it, on Bank Holiday Monday, which put them in the position that they could win the league. But they did and they, and they went on and um, great scenes yesterday, really good scenes. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get more on how you think Stockport County will do in the National League towards the end of the season, when we review the season. In terms of the playoffs, well, I went up to Booth and Crescent because York were hosting Telford. Now, Telford were just outside the playoff places, a point outside it at the start of the day, hoping to get into it and hoping for a Charlie win uh, because they were playing Bradford Park Avenue and Blyde Spartans to slip up also. So this is how it all unfolded. So here I am outside Bootham Crescent. Uh, one of the last times I'll be visiting Bootham Crescent. It's my first ever visit here. Uh, really looking forward to it. It's the last game of the National League in our season. And we're, we're here because York are playing AFC Telford. Telford need to get something to get in the actual playoff. If they do, they'll be in the super playoffs, which take place on Wednesday. So we're uh, just outside Bootham Crescent now. The, uh, the atmosphere is building up. So uh, let's get ourselves inside. So I'm here with Dave Ward from BBC Radio York. Dave, I know <laughs> since you dropped into the National League North, certainly, um, you've kind of been, I can call you a long-suffering reporter on BBC Radio York, but it's the final, well, not the final game at Booth and Seas, the final game of the season at Booth and Crescent. You're probably looking at maybe two or three games next season, I think, or maybe more. Yeah, a few more. 
was supposed to be the last game in Brooklyn Crescent before the move to the new community stadium in the summer. Uh, there's been a delay on that. I think even if we're pretty optimistic, we're talking October at the very earliest. So well, that's going to be at least a third of the way through next season. So it's probably going to be at least six or seven more games here before they do move out to Monks Cross. We'll get on to the season in a minute, but just tell us about some of your best memories of being here at Breathing Crescent. Oh, like most York City supporters of my age, I'm just uh, nearly 41, but going back to the mid-90s, beating Man United all their stars yeah. playing here and York getting through in the Coca-Cola Cup second round back in 95 likes of Cantona, Beckham, Roy Keane Palace to Bruce Schmeichel they all played here that night in York somehow managed to, to squeeze past them a year later would be Everton uh, Gary Speed got a goal for Everton that night but they beat Everton 3-2 um, lots of good times in league football uh, playoff semi-final against Bury back in 1993 with a late Gary Swan goal to send York to Wembley for the first time they've since been back another five times so six times York City have played at Wembley uh, in the last 20 odd years or so been lots of great memories and most York City supporters are going to be really sad to see this place go it's a good old fashioned football ground and until we've all been in Monks Cross and seen what it's like letting it bed in at the minute it just looks like another bland out of town ground I'm sure it's not going to be like that and we'll all get used to it but that's the feeling I think from most York City supporters at the minute yeah unbelievable it's my first visiting it's just got that feel of, of a football ground but obviously your worst memories I'm guessing relegation to the National League and then down again yeah twice down to the, to the National League both back in 2004 where City were first relegated took them uh, eight years to get back up and then again uh, a couple of years ago under Jackie McNamara and then even worse the following season back to back relegations down to this level of football uh, that last game of the season against Forest Green where City drew 2 all until injury time in the Geisley game when Geisley got a goal I mean, York City were going to survive but as soon as the final whistle went that day just complete silence throughout the ground there was 5,000 in yeah. it was just bizarre I've never known an experience <laughs> or an atmosphere like it Just on the National League North I say you've, had, you've gone through quite a lot of managers it's been a frustrating time probably watching York over the last couple of seasons you've had a good squad on paper full-time teams do you think teams come in and raise the game and, or do you think it's a case that they've underperformed? Oh they've definitely massively underperformed biggest budget in the league we're told to, to believe uh, £900,000 losses this season it was reported sorry last season uh, within the last couple of weeks ago by uh, our colleagues down at York Press uh, it's been a bit of a mess to be perfectly honest we had three managers this season but finally they do seem to have come across someone in Steve Watson who looking forward I think most York City fans are really positive about what next, next season can bring um, he'll be well backed again in the transfer market by the chairman and you see what he's done this year at Gateshead yeah. with absolutely no money whatsoever yeah. to have them just outside the playoffs I know he left there in uh, January time but he, he hadn't had any players last summer yeah. pretty similar to I think what he's going to have at York City seven, under, seven players under contract I don't think he'll be offering contracts to many of the players that are out of contract he's got a big rebuilding job to do in the summer and I think most York City fans have got a lot of confidence that he'll do well I was going to say he's, uh, in his interviews that he's done he's mentioned mentality do you think that's been a lot of the the problem while you've been here in the National League North, it's been the mentality side, he's trying to get you harder to beat. Oh, definitely, the succession managers have talked about these players being mentally weak. I think last season, our uh, second away game was at Bradford Park Avenue, which I don't know if you've ever been, a big running track, yeah. very open yeah. uh, stadium. York won 5 0 there, they were 4 0 up by half time, they won 5 0 at an absolute canter. It couldn't have been easier. Yeah. And I think everyone, the players and supporters, got sort of lulled into this false sense yeah. that. It was going to be like this more weeks than not. And ever since that, they've not had another 5-0, I don't think, since that day. I mean, well, that's the best part of two years ago now. And teams do raise their games, but the players, it's down to the players at York City. They've just not been good enough. That's clear for everyone to see.
I suppose saying there's someone else, a new slate, new stadium on the horizon, new manager, new players, and I'm guessing, like you say, there's a feel of optimism amongst the the, the fans, and because the crowds have been still over 2,000 every week, they've still been good crowds. Yeah, the crowds have held up remarkably well. They have dropped off a little bit towards the back end of this season, but for what the performances that the players have put in from time to time, and Yorkshire have been stuck in mid-table now for the last the last few weeks, fighting a relegation battle until probably yeah. the middle of March, yeah. the, the crowds have held up remarkably well. And just last week at Bradford, there's a crowd just under 800 there. I think the best part of 600 were from York. Mm. So you can imagine what it will be like at this level next year yeah. if York do get off to a decent start. So the two teams are out warming up. Well, Telford are out warming up. York haven't come out yet. Alongside me is a very nervous uh, Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hi, Luke. Nice <laughs> to meet you finally. Yeah, it is, yeah. First time we've met in the flesh as well. But normally last day of the season, the sun's shining, everyone's in the shorts and T-shirts, looking nervous at the phone. We're sat here, huddled in the main stand, freezing cold. Yeah, we said this on the way down in the car. Um, you know, normally last day of the season, you know, even if we haven't got anything to stake, as there is in this game, you know, you have teams walking around the pitch at the end of the game, you know, shirts off, applauding the crowd. And are they going to be having any of that here? I think they'll be dashing off as soon as they can, to be honest. Now, just tell us of the, of the permutation. So, tell for the, the one part outside of the playoff place at the minute. Um, they need results to go for them. If they don't win today, Telford, what have they got to rely on? Right. It, it, there is a possibility that if Telford don't win today, that they could uh, still get into the last playoff place. The, their goal difference, they're one goal uh, worse off than Bradford Park Avenue are in terms of goal difference. So, if this was a defeat for Telford today, but a narrow defeat, then a, then a thumping win for Chorley over Bradford Park <laughs> Avenue, I think by something like three goals if Telford only lost by one would be enough to switch the goal difference round clearly we're hoping that doesn't come to that essentially if we get as a better result than Bradford Park Avenue that'll be good enough but you know we, we shouldn't make assumptions about Blythe as much as they're on a terrific run of form I think everybody's assuming that they'll do the business at home to Southport today but um, you know stranger things have happened. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's two points between yourself and Bly. So potentially Bly and Bradford could both lose. Telford get a draw and you, you sneak in anyway. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not what we would have wanted, really, for it to be not completely in our hands on the last day. But, you know, all Telford can do today is go out and win. If they win and that doesn't prove to be enough, then, you know, you can look at it and go, well, look at today's game. That's not been great. But... It, there's, it's an accumulation of things over the course of a season. It won't be one game that yeah. costs you a playoff place. It'll be points dropped, you know, back in September and back in yeah. October and things like that. So, and we can't beat ourselves up too much. I mean, this time last season, we were only a week on from just having survived relegation. Yeah. So, you know, we, we'd made big progress. Yeah, I suppose, are you one of these that's going to be looking at the other results where you're just going to see how this game goes and, and see what happens afterwards? Or will you have one eye on the result, other results? Uh, well, because I, I run Telford's Twitter feed at the same time, I will inevitably see the other scores coming through. Um, I, I've kind of made a promise to myself a few weeks ago that what I wouldn't do is retweet scores from other games as they'd be coming through into Telford's feed. Let's, you know, oh, your tease. I know, let, let's just well, let, let other people do that. You know, let, Let's stick to what... Concentrate on what we can do and, and what we, what's in our hands and whatever else will be, will be. Uh, and what's the mood in the camp? Obviously, you spoke to Gavin Cowan. I mean, how, how is he feeling? I, I think they're quite confident, as far as I'm aware. And I've tried not to trouble him too much this week because, you know, he's, he's busy and they've got a lot coming up. But um, 
I think he'll, you know, he'll have done as much as they can with him, and he's, he's saying to the players now. So half time, Bjorka probably had a better game. Dickyanti, um, Telford have not really offered much of an attacking force. They've had to dig in, haven't they? Yeah, they have. It's, um, it's probably not gone the way we would have wanted it so far, but you know, I suppose hanging in there at nil nil, and um, uh, yeah, we are open to, to what happens elsewhere, and that that uh, surely equaliser for Bradford Park Avenue has um, sort of pulled us back into it a little bit. I think. Yeah, at the minute you're out with the playoffs on goal difference, so if you can get ahead, uh, you will obviously leapfrog Bradford Park Avenue. And not Charlie, I've got their own interest. If they could, although Stockport County, as it stands at the minute, are winning at the neat and going to win the league, Charlie still needs to try and go out and win the game in case something happens down at the neat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to um, step it up a little bit in this half, try and get something. Um, we can't rely on holding this at nil-nil and hoping that Chorley can um, can take a lead over Bradford Park Avenue. If, if we can at all sort of take it out of their hands a little bit by getting ahead here, that will be great. But um, it's not looking um, it's not looking like that's going to happen at the moment. How is your nerves at the minute? I'm okay at the moment. You know, I'm, 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 I am very much of that thing of, of what will be will be. That um, you know, if, we, if if we're not good enough, we're not good enough. If we don't get there, but um, you know, things can change so quickly, can't they? You know, we we keeping our eye on the uh, flash scores during the the first half there, and we see Bradford go ahead. We see I think Shirley having a goal disallowed, maybe even two. Then they get level. So yeah, all to play for still. It's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I think the game hasn't been that great in terms of chances. We've spent more time looking at Twitter and flash goals than we have at the match, haven't we? Yeah, there hasn't been an awful lot to report here. I think that Jordan Burroughs header, um, which was really well saved by Joe Bursic, but the, the most notable thing we've had to report, to be perfectly honest. It's, um, I wouldn't say typical end-of-season fair. I think you can tell it's edgy. I think you can tell us a little bit of nerve there from, from Telford. And... Um, I'm hoping that Gavin Cowan will get them in there and uh, settle them down a little bit during the half-time interval and just, you know, remind them of what they're capable of and and, and tell them to, to go out there and, and try and express themselves and, and, and actually take what they that, that they deserve. It's finished in the end. York City 1, AC Telford United 0. Dickey, one goal. That's all he needed. One blooming goal and it never came. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's what well, we've said at the end of the game there that just the last, probably the last four to six weeks or so, that's been the thing that's been missing. We've we've drawn a lot of games. Our goal scoring touch has just deserted us at just the wrong point of the season, unfortunately. Um, can't put it all down to that. You know, as I said, we've we've lost points, at other points earlier in the season that would have carried us safely on the line, over the line. But you've got to give credit to, to Blythe Spartans for a tremendous run that's got them into the playoffs. And, you know, Bradford Park Avenue, have Having been the leaders at Christmas, have, 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 have fallen away, and I thought they that they might be the ones to drop out. But for, but you know, credit to them, they've held on as well, and it's and it's us that, that lose out. And yeah, of course, disappointing. Um, it hurts, but I was, I was just about to say, you know, it, it should hurt, you know, because it, because otherwise, what what are you here for? Yeah, you, you, this is what you aim for to be involved in things like this. We're not, you know, we're not playing the season out looking for a mid-table finish the way York City are, and. That, 
you know, that shows you how much our expectations have changed this season. And, um, you know, so we've got to be happy about that, really. We've got to take, got to look for the positives in it. I said to you at the end, then, it, Telford never looked like scoring until the last 10 minutes when he put York under pressure. Udo was kept quiet all day, and then the one chance he had, he blazed well over. I mean, give credit to York. They defended really well. Probably should have won by more, but while you had that sniff, there was always that chance, but never felt like it was going to happen at all, did it? No, and, and again, the story of the last few weeks with us, I think, unfortunately... Um, you know we've 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 got decent points away at Chorley and uh, you know got a point against an Altrincham side who were flying. But yeah, if if we haven't looked likely to to claim all three points from those sort of games for a few weeks now, and you know just spoke to to somebody from the club there, and they said that you know Gavin Cowan will have learned a lot um, about his team over these last few weeks when when. The pressure's really been on and there's really been the opportunity there for people to step up and deliver. Arguably some of them have, have been found wanting a little bit and, and that might sort of help make his mind up about who he, who he looks to recruit for next season. But, but overall, yeah, amongst the disappointment, we're really proud of, of, of how we've done, to be perfectly honest, this time last season. Just avoided relegation, to be perfectly honest. So as well as finding out how Telford did, we heard from Dave Ward of BBC Radio York about his memories of Booth and Crescent and York's season in general. But overall, it was it was disappointing for Telford, Chris. And, and as I mentioned to Dickie yesterday, one goal was all they needed. If they'd have got that one goal, they were in the playoffs. Yes, it's the, uh, it's the fun of the last day of the season, isn't it? Because... Although it was one goal, it was a late goal that Chorley got about um, against Bradford to, to make it that one goal. I'm not sure that it would have changed anything. You were at the game, Luke, so I didn't see how they um, how they set up or anything. One thing that I will say on Telford's season is that they've been one of the best teams I've seen this season. Been really consistent, and unfortunately, just in the when it mattered at the end, they've just dipped down a bit. But I think they can be. Hugely proud of the season that they've had so far. Compared to last season, it's really turned round, and I know that they've they've got a real good backing there for for manager Gavin Cowan, and I expect them to kick on next season. Yeah, I think in terms of the game, I mean, Dickie will say this, they did get a bit of stage fright. They didn't really come out and play until the last ten minutes. Really, York were comfortable. Probably should have won by more in the end. But while it was always one goal, they always had a chance. And they sent up the keeper at the end and everything like that. There was a bit of carnage. But York showed a newfound resolve under Steve Watson to, to hold on for that. And as I say, Bradford got into that. But they're not, again, in great form, Bradford. They've lost four of the last five. So they're not exactly rocking into the playoffs. And they've got to go up to Spennymore, which is a tough task at the best of times. But going up there on a Wednesday night, Christy won't fancy that, will they? No, not at all, and certainly not in the form that that Spennymore are in at all. They're in they're in great form at the moment, and that'll be a difficult trip. Bradford did the work in the first half of the season, didn't they? They were they were outstanding. They were up there in the in the sort of top three, and they've they've fallen off in the in the second half of the season. But one thing that they have got in their advantage, they've got a really wily manager there in in Mark Bauer. I think he's. He's one of the, the top managers in the league and um, he'll be he'll be really planning for that game and, and seeing where they can exploit Spennymore. And the other game in the playoffs is uh, Altrincham at home to Blythe Spartans. I saw that game earlier in the season. Blythe came in frustrated and Alan Armstrong said that he, he quite fancied playing against Altrincham because he knows, he likes the way Altrincham play, but he knows the way they're going to play as well, which makes it easier to set up. But Altrincham's home form's really good, isn't it, Chris? It's fantastic, and you know, Altrincham have been blitzing teams this season. Really, 
Um, they've been playing great football. They've been scoring. They've scored more goals than anyone else in the league. They've been scoring from all all angles. And I love Jordan Hume up front for them. I love what he gives them. What I will say is that Blythe are the form team out of all the teams in any of the uh, divisions who are in the playoffs at the moment. Alan Armstrong's got a real sort of personal battle up there to to try and get Blythe into that next division. I know he's he's spoken that he's been a bit disappointed about the investment and the support that he's been getting behind the scenes. And so he's really determined to, to sort of push on and try and, uh, try and get uh, Blythe in that, in that division above. And I've got to say, you know, no one's going to be wanting to play Blythe and you know what they're going to have to play. If they do it, they're going to have to play most of the games away from home, but that they are a team where I think playing away from home really suits them. I expect goals in that encounter. It could be an absolute thriller on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's going to be a, a really interesting game. And it does lead by then a quandary, doesn't it, Chris, as well, if they do go up? It does, yeah, because you know, they spoke earlier in the season of the crowds to to increase. It's one of those clubs you think, is it is it too soon for them to go up? Are they equipped to go up? Um, Alan Armstrong certainly wants them to go up, but they would have a, a few problems, um, certainly in dealing with some of the travel involved. I mean, Blythe to Dover could mm-hmm. be difficult. And sometimes it... Uh, it can mess some of these teams up for 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 quite a long time to come. I'd love to see them up there because we've seen them we've seen them dominate the northern leagues for for a long time and come through the ranks and I think that's what football's all about but you know I wouldn't want to see them have problems afterwards. And Mick, by they've got Dan Maguire up front, a player you know well. He's involved in the England C setup, isn't he? Yeah, I, I actually saw uh, Blythe. You know what Chris has just said. I, I totally uh, endorse that and um, applaud them because I saw them at Leighton Orient in the trophy and uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. They were really unlucky on that day, and you're dead right. They try to play the right way, and got you know Maguire up top. I mean, yeah, they've got some really uh, exciting young players in that group, and. Uh, yeah, I think they may be uh, the side that may do it, and hopefully they do. But if you don't mind me just coming back to that, I mean, you just mentioned about, uh, you know, Stockport. I'd just like to send my huge congratulations to them because it's wonderful, wonderful to see, you know, a club of that stature who's, you know, been struggling for a, a number of years to bounce back. And, uh, you know, for for that part of the world and those fans, it must be, uh, well, they must be on cloud nine at the moment. And, uh Great to see them in the uh, National League next year. It's going to be uh, exciting to have them in the league. Well, you look at the champions from the North and the South, it's going to strengthen that National League next season, Mick, isn't it? You've got Torquay and Stockport County both coming up. Yeah, exactly. You know, again, old, old, you know, we all keep using the word old league clubs, if you like. They are, you know, league clubs that only enhance the, uh, the National League. You know, it's a... It's, it's terrific, you know. When these sort of sides come in, you know, they command good crowds as well, which is which is good. They have good following, don't they? They're the support of followers, well, that only helps other teams, you know, within the National League when away supporters come. It gives everyone a boost, gives everyone a little bit of financial clout, and it makes the games even more uh, exciting when you get, uh, you know, big crowds, in, you know, in the ground. Yeah, so sticking your neck out, Chris, I mean, if you had, a, if you, you had to pick a winner for the playoffs, who would you go for? Blythe Spartans. Over Brackley? Well, I did say Brackley at the start of the season. Yeah, Brackley are really tough to play. Um, they're, they're consistently one of the best teams that I see every season in the National League North. They got to the final last year. They didn't perform on the day, and I think they'll admit that uh, themselves. But, look, I just think Blythe are flying at the moment, and they're taking 
they're taking the form into it. As are Brackley, as are Spennymore. I've just got a sneaking feeling for Blythe. And Mick, I mean, obviously you've got, you've got more limited knowledge of the National League North, but if you had to pick a winner... Yeah, you mentioned, you know, uh, in terms of limited knowledge, but, you know, you, you do your homework, you see it, you see it, you know, how, how the season's panned out. Look, I, I said I've seen Blythe, I was impressed with them. I do think it will be between uh, Brackley. I think Brackley will still have uh, uh, sort of something to offer in these playoffs. And um, I might just be going with Brackley on that one. There we go. So, sorry, Luke, just one thing to mention before we, we move off that is, is Chorley as well. You know, Chorley would be incredibly disappointed to have missed out on, um, on promotion. It's a great club. I love going there. And one thing to mention on Chorley is that Louis Ullman got a hat-trick. Uh, Jamie Vermiglio mentioned it. He's got strikers on form. I saw Marcus Carver the other day, and he is a fantastic player at that level. And he's on form. He's a handful for any defence. And so they're, they're going into those playoffs with, with strikers who are, who are banging them in and who are scoring goals as well. So if they can get over that disappointment of not claiming that top spot, they're also going to be a, a real force. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how that pans out. As I said, Charlie will play the winners of Altrincham versus Blyde Spartans. That'll be a, a fantastic semi-final. And then Brackley played a winner of Spennymore versus Bradford. Mouthwatering games across all three divisions in the playoffs, and we'll give you the reaction from all of those games over the next week or so. We'll just move on and have a look at the uh, step three and the teams coming up. And first of all, Weymouth, they won promotion by winning the league on Saturday. They won the Southern Division and they've got a player that you know really well, Mick. He was called up to the last England Sea squad. Brandon Goodship, who scored a hell of a amount of goals this year and ultimately those goals have helped them propel them into the National League South for next season. Yeah, again, I was just saying, you know, Weymouth in terms of, it's easy to just put clubs out there. You say that they're, they're big clubs, but in the scheme of things, they are a big club in that league, you know, in that, Eva Stick, you know, Premier, they are a very, very big club. They command good crowds. As I said, I've, I've been there before now when there's been five, five and a half thousand there, you know, not that long ago. And if they can get it right at Weymouth Football Club, everyone says it's a sleeping giant, you know, it's a, a, a club that could go on. And uh, you're right, they've got a goal scorer there uh, in good shape who's, you know, has banged them in for fun. But it's not just that, it's the way they've gone about their business. They brought a young keeper in who I know very well, Tom Howe. He was, uh, he, strange enough, he was playing at Truro last season. He then got a move up to Elgin in Scotland and it didn't work out for him. And uh, the manager brought him back to Weymouth for the last, I think, the last sort of 15, 16 games. I think he just give it a, a little boost there as well. So, yeah, I mean, well played uh, Weymouth and be delighted to see them in a higher league. And I think it's going to be... a an interesting journey for them. Yeah, they joined Dorkin in the National League South next season. And heading further north now, you're looking at Kettering. Uh, they got promotion probably into the, the National League North and they've been there before, won that division and again, make another sleeping giant who are on the way back. Yeah, when you say won the league, they, they smashed the league, didn't they? You know, let's get it right. You know, 94 points and uh, Kings League on 80. And you're right, you know, again, they're a side that's been in the we know have been in the uh, National League previously and again they've got a sleeping giant you know they've, they've tried they've gone along the way over years and years to try to get it right try to bring the right sort of uh, management in and or high profile people and it's just not ever taken off over the last few years is this their time 
Let's hope so. Again, I mentioned about seeing those clubs come into these divisions, I think only enhances these these divisions and makes it really more exciting. And, uh, you know, it's good to have, you know, clubs that command good following as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them play next year. Yeah, champions of the Southern League, Premier Division Central. And just looking at the uh, the Evo Stick Premier Division, Chris Farsley, they managed to secure the title ahead of South Shields, who'll go into the playoffs. It's a bit of a weird playoff structure this year. Um, this year. We'll get into that uh, another time, potentially. But Farsley, small club, village club. I think they'll hold their own next season, won't they? Yeah, they've, we've seen them a couple of times this season. They're, uh, they're, a good, they're a good, strong outfit. And in the end, deserved winners. Not the team we would have picked out at the start of the season, Luke. I think um, you know South Shields and the Scarboroughs who'd come up from the the fourth tier and maybe Hyde as well were were ones that we were we were looking at for that. Warrington uh, were another one who was strong. We've been strong throughout the season, but but Farsley have managed to uh, to top it off, and the you know they they are tough to beat. It'll be interesting to see how they get on next season in the in the National League North. But we have seen teams like. Kers and Ashton. Ashton United gave it a good shot this season, just going down. Um, um, but Curzon are probably the the model, I would say, for for those smaller clubs um, surviving in the next division up. But uh, congratulations to them and uh, another ground to visit next season. On that note, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye, Mick. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure, Luke. Uh, really good, always good debate, always good conversation, and uh, you know your knowledge of uh, yourself and Chris and. Uh, you know, the league uh, itself, I just think it's uh, an excellent programme program that goes out and uh, always delighted to be on. Excellent, thank you. Brilliant. And Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, cheers, Luke, as always. Nice one. And uh, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. And we'll be on Twitter throughout the week at the various playoff games all being well and then you can catch up with all the action next weekend until then thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you all very soon